Welcome to another broadcast of Hope from the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'll be bringing another message today in the book of Revelation. Today, our text is Revelation chapter 21. Yes, we're beginning a brand new chapter today, and I look forward to this. We're going to take our time and work through it because there is so much information here. You could take the first three verses and teach for probably two weeks on just the information contained in those three verses. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I'd uh, invite you to open your Bibles and to uh, read along with me as I read these three verses to us. Uh, it is found again in Revelation chapter 21, uh, verses 1 through 3. And again, my, my text today is heaven. I'm entitling the message today, What Will I See in Heaven? And John's going to answer that for us as we look into this text, Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, the Word of God says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. What is heaven? If you had a chance to uh, answer the question asked by someone, tell me everything you know about heaven, would you be able to talk very long? Uh, the average Christian probably doesn't know too much about heaven. Uh, it's actually not a subject we hear preached on where the whole sermon is on heaven. There's a few books out about heaven that are pretty good. Uh, but this is a, a, a look today at, uh, directly at the scripture to see if we can ask and answer the question, what will I see in heaven? And so we're looking at this text as found in Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 3 of which I just read. And there are so many things about this text that I think are important. But my question to you is, what do you think about when you think about heaven? Are we in Scripture told to think more about heaven? Well, I think we are told to think about heaven. There are many, many verses. One of the general verses is, is Colossians chapter 3, set your heart and or set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Uh, or you could go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, where it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of God, but is of the world. And the world passes away. Or you could even go to the book of James. Uh, friendship with the world is enmity against God. But there are so many places that talk about heaven, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But heaven is a place that is, is very real. Uh, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to read anything on heaven or think about heaven much, but it is a place uh, that will be the destiny or the home of all believers. And so we want to jump into this text today, but you see everything connected with our spiritual life and destiny is in heaven. Uh, I was sharing this the other day with someone uh, because my wife actually passed away a few weeks ago and she is in heaven and so it's kind of interesting that I'm preaching and studying on heaven and teaching on heaven where is the exact place that she actually is right now I often wonder 
uh, in the last few weeks if I could talk to her uh, and say, Carol, what is it like in heaven? Can, can you just tell me, am I on the right track here? Is what I'm reading the right way to read the Revelation or Ezekiel or Daniel? And I don't know how she would answer, but I can only imagine that she would probably say, I can't describe it. I just can't describe it. And we know that's true because Ezekiel had that problem. Uh, Daniel had a specific visions thing that he saw in heaven. And John is told what to write about heaven. Paul was restricted from talking about heaven when he visited the third heaven. And so all we know basically of heaven is what we get from the Word of God found specifically in Revelation chapter 21. And so that becomes a very interesting place to be because there's uh, so much about heaven in the scriptures, but only a few places like John, uh, the, the book of Revelation, chapter 21, that speak uh, directly to it. But everything connected to our spiritual life and destiny is in heaven. Our Father is there, our Savior is there, uh, the, the Holy Spirit is there, although He also is with us and dwells with us. Our fellow all of the believers from the beginning of, 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 of time are there. Uh, our name is written, in, it says, in heaven. Our life is going to be there. Our inheritance is there, our home. This is where our citizenship is in heaven. Our reward is in heaven. Our treasure is in heaven. Everything that belongs to us is there. And so it, it would fit for us to be more heavenly conscious than probably what we are in our society today. I think our culture today is too disconnected. Our culture today has too many distractions uh, and arrogance and, of course, sin. But uh, I'm not going to get into all that because that's not the message today. The message is heaven. What will we see in heaven? So I want to give you a couple of observations first. I'm only going to give you three points. One point for verse 1, one point for verse 2, and one point for verse 3, and I'll give those to you in just a minute. But just a couple of observations as we begin to think about heaven in this text. Uh, now, remember now, the next two chapters, this chapter 21 and chapter 22, will close out the book of Revelation, but it's all about heaven. It's all about where perhaps you have a loved one there. I know I do. My wife is now there. And it just, it's still, it's, it's uh, so surreal for me to be preaching on the very place where I know she is. Uh, so it, it's, it's an exciting thing to do on one hand, but yet very surreal and, and hard for me to do this. But there are some general observations I want you to think about. Heaven is referred to 550 times uh, actually, 569 times in Scripture specifically. Heaven is referred to 54 times in the book of Revelation. So that, that tells you how much of Revelation deals with uh, future or prophetic things related to heaven. Heaven is referred to 54 times in the book of Revelation. The Old Testament Hebrew word for heaven, uh, it means the heights. The New Testament word for heaven is Uranus, uh, like the planet. Uh, and they, it means that which is elevated. It means uh, high or lofty or lifted up. Uh, some people put the definition as that which is raised up. Heaven is a high place. In fact, you can find in the Old Testament 
Many times that uh, when they would build uh, uh, places or have places of worship or bow down, they would make it a high place, a raised hill. And it means the heights. So scripture talks about heaven in a lot of, of a lot of places, specifically and generally. But specifically, it talks about three different heavens. And I know that if you know anything about heaven, you already know this. So this will be uh, almost kindergarten for you. But uh, Paul was taken up to the third heaven, uh, which indicates for us that <clears throat> there is a first and there is a second. But that's the heaven. The third heaven is where God dwells. That's the way we always kind of refer to that. The third heaven is where God dwells. So what's in the first and the second heaven? Well, the first heaven is the, the, the heaven around us here uh, within our, our sight. Uh, that atmosphere around the earth and the air we breathe, or as one writer puts it, I think it's uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse puts it in his book for children, uh, explaining truths to children. Uh, he says the first heaven is where the birds fly, and that is part of the first heaven. Uh, it's the atmosphere around us. And it's all with inclusive the air we breathe, or how high airplanes fly. Uh, the second heaven is the heavenly bodies or the planets and uh, the stars and the moon and the sun. It's our galaxy or the many galaxies that are out there. Uh, the last heaven or the third heaven, as I said, is the heaven of God. It's the divine heaven. It's the place where God dwells or the abode of God and the angels and where all the saints will be going. So there are three different heavens uh, in the scriptures, but the heaven I'm going to speak on today that John is describing for us is the third heaven. And so we're going to be able to take a look at that. So when I ask the question about title, what will I see in heaven? I am referring to that third heaven. And so people through the centuries have asked, well, where is it exactly? If it's up, is it? <clears throat> How high up is it? Well, first of all, we these are general observations I've given you, and I, I believe, first of all, it is a place. It is a real place, and yes, it is up. Uh, there are some people uh, uh, that have, well, many people, there are some people that we know were taken up, literally, it says in the scripture, taken from one moment on earth to the next moment in heaven, like Enoch walked with God and then was, was no more, for God took him, it says. Or Elijah, who went to heaven in a chariot. Uh, those are amazing kinds of, of things that we read. So uh, we do believe that heaven is a very real place. And of course, we know the Lord Jesus Christ, who is there in his glorified body is there. <clears throat> and probably you have loved ones or friends who are there as well. There's going to be a lot more people there in glorified bodies because of what John's, or Jesus said in John chapter 14. He went to prepare a place for us. And we'll look at that scripture a little later. And then when he does bring us, according to 1 Thessalonians, our body is going to be transformed and we're going to get a new body. And then we're speaking of uh, literally the, the rapture of the church and we'll be taken to, yes, it's a real place. And so that's one of the things we're going to begin looking at as uh, we get uh, past these observations. But you say, well, is, is heaven really a, a place or is it like a... Uh, just another dimension of thought or, or spiritual consciousness. And I would say unequivocally, it is definitely a place. It's a very real place where we will, we will be transported to at the time of death or at the rapture. We believe that most that the believers today will be taken up in the rapture. 
<clears throat> it says in First Thessalonians, we'll meet the Lord in the air. Uh, and so we know that that will be where we'll be. So heaven is up. Now exactly how far or where up, we're not told. But we know it is up, and that's all we know. How do you know it's up? Because that's what the Bible says, and the actual meaning of heaven is up. In Revelation, uh, we're told several times that John writes uh, that it, heaven is, is and refers to as up. Like in verse chapter 4 of Revelation, verse 1, I looked and saw uh, uh, a heaven. I looked up, standing open in heaven, I saw the door. Uh, and I heard a sound of a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here. And so we're looking at heaven speaking and calling John up. And so we know heaven is up. There's a lot of verses that are about as clear as that. So when John was standing, heaven was up. And where was he? On the Isle of Patmos. And heaven was straight up. How far up? We don't know. But we're going to take a good look at that. So that would be a question people would ask is, well, how far up is it? Because we know we have a tremendously large galaxy. And if you want to know about how big, I'll share just a few facts with you just to let you know how far up could be. The moon is 211,463 miles up. Or you could say you could walk to it in 27 years if you could just walk 24 miles a day. It's not really that far, actually. Uh, but if you could write, if you could go 186,000 miles per second, which is the sound of, or the speed of light, you could get to the moon in one second and a half. Uh, that really would be the best way to travel if you could do that. So you could get to the moon rather quickly. <clears throat> but if you could reach Jupiter. Uh, and traveling at that speed, it would take 35 minutes and 11 seconds because it's only 367 million miles away. Now think about that. Uh, I travel from uh, St. Louis uh, to Winston-Salem frequently. And one way from St. Louis to Winston-Salem is 738 miles. Exactly. I know it rather closely, uh, intimately. Uh, and that takes me uh, about... 10, I mean about 11 to 11 and a half, and sometimes 12 hours depending on traffic. But, but think about this, that's not very far. Uh, when you think about Jupiter is 367 million miles away, and that's going straight up into our galaxy. <clears throat> and Saturn uh, is 790 million miles away. We're still in our galaxy. But you see, there's even higher places in, the, in our galaxy than that. There's a star, which is Alpha Centauri, which is 20 billion years away, which is light years away. That's the way it refers to it. Or the North Star, 400 billion. And then the star Betelgeuse is 880 quadrillion miles away. And by the way, it's big. They've discovered that it has a 200 million mile diameter. That is an unbelievable uh, distance uh, or size of, of a galaxy. But when you get there, you're still in our galaxy. So it's mind-boggling how big our galaxy is. There's billions of galaxies beyond our galaxy. And that's to say, uh, that's just to say, just in a small way, how large our galaxy is. Just think, when you've gotten to the very edge of our galaxy, 
there are, we're told, billions more galaxies. And even our galaxy is hard to fathom. And so you say, well, gosh, how long is it going to take to get to heaven? Are we going to be traveling the rest of our life up and through all of these galaxies? Well, that would be a fair question, but listen to what Luke chapter 40, uh, 23 says, or Jesus said to the thief on the cross. He said, in only 480 million years from now, you'll be with me in paradise. No, he didn't say that. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so wherever heaven is, however high up it actually is, we're going to be there in an instant. To be absent from the flesh is to be present with the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Paul said, or absent from the body, present with the Lord. Uh, he also said in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, far better to depart and be with Christ. It will be instantaneous. So in a sense, it's outside the created order. It could just be in another dimension that we can't see or touch or even think about because it's so different than where we are. But we'll be there in a second. In fact, when the rapture comes and it's going to take us there, it's going to be in a split second. In the twinkling of an eye, it says. And that's faster I love how my younger brother would say it. He'd say that's dead, uh, William, that's faster than you can blink. And uh, that, that is pretty quick because I can blink pretty fast. But think about transcribing heaven. Think about, I, I have to in the last couple of weeks since my wife is up there now, I would have to think about what Carol would say. If, she could, if I could say, Carol, just describe it for me. In just a few words, just, just describe heaven for me. Tell me what it's like up there. How are you doing? I think she would have a difficult time. And as I said earlier, Ezekiel had a very hard time. If you want to see how hard it is to understand heaven from somebody's perspective who's actually seen it, then I challenge you to read Ezekiel chapter 1. Now, you probably hadn't spent much time in Ezekiel lately. Most people don't read it. But look at Ezekiel chapter 1. You don't have me just listen to this. Ezekiel chapter 1, I'm not going to read all this for sure. I looked and behold, a, stor a, strong, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually and a bright light around it. And it's missed something like glowing metal in the midst of a fire. You can read all of chapter 1 of Ezekiel. And I, I guarantee you, you still won't know what heaven is like. You still won't be able to answer the question that I'm asking today. What will I see in heaven? You can't answer it. Because Ezekiel tried, we give him credit, tried to explain it in chapter 1. Uh, and I can't read it, but boy, you find out there's jewels, there's metal, there's glowing metal, there's flames, there's fires, there's living creatures, there's bronze, there's spinning wheels, inside of wheels. And you think, my goodness, what is all that? And that's his best effort at trying to describe the un or the indescribable. Trying to take something that's nothing like earth and bring it down to earth terms or human terms and trying to let us know what's up there. He could not do it. And I don't think John would be able to do it either. Except that he's being told what to write. He's being told what to say. Ezekiel's given a description that's hard to comprehend. Hard to comprehend. Paul doesn't even get to tell us what he saw, who knows what he saw or really how long he was there. 
But Paul was given a thorn in the flesh to prevent him from speaking of it. John's revelation really is about all we've got. Oh, we get a glimpse of heaven when we look at uh, Stephen's stoning in, uh, in Acts chapter 7. We get, we get just a glimpse into heaven as we, uh, as we see heaven opened and, and Christ standing at the, at the right hand of the, of the throne and, and he welcomes Stephen. I don't think Stephen felt a single stone hitting his body. And then we get another glimpse of heaven as, as Daniel is looking at the throne and the Ancient of Days is there and the, the myriads and myriads of angels and all of the hosts of heaven are standing before that great throne which is either a millennial throne or it's either the great white throne judgment. It appears to be the great white throne judgment. So these people are unable to tell us exactly what John tells us. So the best place to go is, is Revelation chapter 21 to get a, a, a pretty good view of it. So I want to do that. I want to just give us three points today to the outline. So that we can get into, I'm not going to, you obviously know I'm not going to be able to finish it. But heaven is so fun to talk about. It's exciting to talk about. And when I finish, you still won't know a whole lot because the Bible only gives us a little bit. Remember, it's another observation. The only way we know anything about heaven is because God chose to tell us or to reveal to us that about heaven. Remember, now he's telling John what to write. And so when, when John does write this passage, you notice that the phrase he uses is, I, I saw, I saw, I saw. And so the first part of the outline that I want to give you here is it is a place. It is a, a very real place. We see a place here. When he says, and you go back to Revelation chapter 21, because I was still over in Ezekiel, and uh, that wouldn't fit for today's message. I thought about reading Ezekiel to you and tell you that's about heaven, but I can't do that to you. Revelation chapter 21. Look at what he says in, in, in describing the place. Listen to how he describes the place. It's a very broad description. I saw a, a new heaven and a new earth. Well, that's describing a place. He saw something that he's calling a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. Well, the first appearance or the vision of this new heaven it is, is a very broad view. You say, well, he doesn't really give us very much there. No, he doesn't. But the, the universe as we know it is gone. All the ungodly are gone. And God then takes all the holy angels and, and the godly of all the angels and creates for them a new heaven and a new earth, which is to be the eternal dwelling place of the redeemed and of the angels who worship God. It's what Ephesians 1.10 refers to in the fullness of time has come. This is the eternal state. This will exist forever and ever. And said John says, I saw. It's a very interesting phrase that he uses here. It's a very technical phrase that's been used all through Revelation. It's a very important phrase because I think it's used to take us step by step through the chronology of the coming of Christ, specifically from chapter 19 through chapter 20 into chapter 21. It's used when the Lord returns. It's used at the defeat of the Antichrist. It's used to introduce uh, Satan at the very out, the, the casting out of, or the putting chains and bonds on Satan at the very beginning of the kingdom. And then it's used in the introduction of the kingdom, the millennial kingdom. It's used in the opening of the release of the destruction of Satan. It's used throughout 20. And then he says here, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
all part of a, a chronology of events that we see through here. Well, what did he see? I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The terminology is from the Old Testament. It's referring to uh, a created heaven and a new earth that God is preparing or has been preparing and he's showing it at this point. So you see, man, this is, this is a, a very interesting thing, but I want to draw attention to the word in verse 21, or chapter 21, verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Well, what is that word new? Because I think that might help us understand something here. New is a word, uh, it's not the word that means uh, new as opposed to old. And that's generally what we think of when we think of new. New as opposed to old. It's a different word which means new in quality. It measures not the timelessness of something being new or the fact that it is new on the calendar. It is new to this period of time, but simply that it is new in quality. It is fresh. It is different. There's coming, you could say this in, in, in Revelation chapter 1, uh, 21, uh, verse 1. There's coming a different heaven and a different earth. And that would actually fit the interpretation here. Yes, it's new in terms of chronology, but the point that the writer is making here is that it is new in terms of kind of heaven. It's different than the heaven that we know of that's up there right now. Now, I understand that it is so hard to understand about heaven. Because no one has been there and come back that can talk about it. There's no one who cares who walked around up there, who visited, who saw all the sites and came back and said, look, it's real. You'll see this. You'll see it's not. We don't have a tour guide to get ready to take us up there. So I understand it's difficult. I had uh, my son's one of his bosses, uh, the CEO of this very large company that he works for, Brian was describing, uh, Brian is my son, was describing uh, his role in this, uh, in, in this company, and he was describing it through AI, artificial intelligence, and all that is out there in that. And the, and the CEO turned to Brian and said, Brian, you are describing to me a whole new, a whole world out there of which I know nothing about. And when Brian told me that, I said, well, Brian, that's exactly what I'm doing when I'm teaching on heaven. I'm talking about a whole new world out there that most Christians, including myself, we don't know anything about except the little bit that God gives us. And it's called heaven. We don't know much about it. But there will come a new heaven. Think about it. A heaven uh, where no more storms, no more fierce winds, no more thunder, no more rain, no more demons or devils roaming. There will be a new earth with no miseries of godlessness, no longer... Uh, an earth that's under the curse, an earth whose forever hills will flow, as, as one writer puts it, an earth whose, who, whose forever hills will flow with holiness and the river of salvation and whose eternal valleys know only the peace of the paradise of God. Well, those aren't my kind of words. I would just say, y'all, it's unbelievable to be able to describe what we're seeing in the Bible. It's describing a world that is, you can't describe it. If you want to see how real that is, like I said, you really ought to go back and read Ezekiel, just chapter 1. In fact, I was teaching a Bible study one night on heaven. And that's how I began. I had one of the uh, elders stand up and, and just read Revelation, 
I mean, uh, Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 4 through, I think, 28. And just read it. And I, I told the people, I said, you don't have to try to follow along. You can if you want to. But when he finishes, I'm going to ask you one question. He's going to be describing heaven. And I want you to tell me in, in your own words, using the opinion, uh, using the descriptives that Ezekiel gives you, what Ezekiel said that you remember describes heaven. Let me tell you something. Nobody could do it. <laughs> it was it was actually funny. It was a good little exercise on seeing how hard it is to describe the indescribable. But this has to happen. There has to be a new heaven and a new earth in Revelation chapter 21. There has to be a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because it says the first heaven and the first earth passed away. He gives you that in the very first verse. He's giving you the why. I saw a new heaven and a new earth because the first passed away. And we saw that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. No place was found for them. They're gone. And then, of course, we saw this in 2 Peter, the destruction. God destroyed them. And so, because the universe is gone, he has to create a new one. The heavens and the earth that we know must be destroyed. And I could take you through so much of the Old Testament verses and passages that talk about this. Uh, so it, it is, it, it's, been, it's been taken away. So you say, well, what's it going to be like? So what's heaven really going to be like? Well, we don't know. But listen to this. Listen to how verse 1 says what it says. He's given us a clue. He says, there is no longer any sea. <laughs> uh, I was reading uh, one writer put this down, and, and somebody stopped him in a Bible study and said, so is that a clue or is that a description? And he said, well, it's a description, but he's given us a clue of really what heaven is like when he gives us that clue. And, and, he, and the guy said, well, what is the clue? Water? Water is the clue? And the teacher said, yes, water is the clue. And uh, our earth is mostly water. Uh, we are mostly water. Flesh is mostly water. Animals and plants all are made of water. Uh, for example, did you know your blood is 90% water? Your flesh is 65% water? And then there's water, basically. This is a watery world, as one writer puts it. There's not only water in the oceans. There's water in the land. There's water in the plants. And mostly uh, there's water in animals and flesh. And there's just water everywhere. Uh, uh, John MacArthur writes this. Uh, Earth is the only place known in the universe where there's... There's water enough to sustain man, plants, and animals. Plenty of water. So you tell me, could that possibly be a clue? Well, the, the sea is emblematic of a water-based environment. Man's existence is water-based. Uh, for example, dehydration. Think about that. If you get too dehydrated, guess what? You die. You have to have water. Well, what's he saying is the new heaven and the new earth don't operate on water anymore. It's going to be so different. Now, that's enough to tell you that it's going to be different. No more evaporation, distillation, condensation, uh, no uh, climactic conditions and whatever else. There's just no water. I think that's what he's telling us, but he's telling us this by way of telling us it's a real place, and this real place is different. 
We just don't know. But are we going to get need water up there? Are we going to get thirsty? And will there be water in heaven? Is he saying there's no water in heaven? No, I don't think he's saying that because Revelation chapter 22, uh, it says that he showed me a river of the water of life. That's the only water. It's not the H2O kind. It's the water of life kind, whatever that is. But here again, we're trying to talk about and describe something that's indescribable. So the first thing we see about this that John is talking about is we see a real place. The second thing we see is a holy city. And the third thing we're going to see is a sovereign God. Those are in the next two verses. But we can't go there. I am out of time. I would wish I could go further into this heaven. but And I could literally talk for probably two or three hours. And probably no one would even listen to the podcast. But for now, this, is, uh, this has been William Rogers talking to you about the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Uh, asking and answering the question, what will I see in heaven? The first thing we're going to see is a real place called heaven. And it's going to be a different place. And we're going to begin looking at this as we go through Revelation chapter 21. Please don't miss a single podcast. Thank you for joining me today.